before we get going with this week's show, a word from a few of our friends. Let's begin with Woodbine. The Queen's Plate is upon us. Sunday at Woodbine, the largest three-year-old race for Canadian breads in the country happens. It is the Queen's Plate, a mile and a quarter on the Tapita. Post time for the first race will begin at 1 o'clock Eastern with the Queen's Plate scheduled to go off at approximately 547 Eastern. The official draw will happen on Wednesday at the Stella Artois Terrace between 9.30 and noon Eastern. Three notable names, but you're going to hear all the names that are listed as probables anyway for this week's show because we're going to be doing a Queen's Plate preview. Uh, Moira, the lone filly in the race. She was dominant winning the Woodbine Oaks most recently, uh, presented by Budweiser in dominant, dominant fashion. She also topped the latest Queen's Plate power rankings, but she's not alone. Sir for sure, who won the plate trial is going to be in here, as is Rondur, who skipped the plate trial but should be a force and will be ridden by Flavian Pratt. For more information, go to woodbine.com slash queensplate. Again, Sunday afternoon, it is Queen's Plate Sunday at Woodbine. I'm looking forward to getting up there. I'm flying up on Saturday, and I'll be part of the coverage with Woodbine, with TSN in Canada, as well as CTV. So looking forward to getting involved and getting down with the Queen's Plate. Betmakers. Fixed odds betting powered by Betmakers is back and in effect at Monmouth Park, and the early returns are fantastic, with 70% of winners paying more on fixed odds than they are on the tote. Soon, fixed odds wagering will be available throughout the state of New Jersey. This is an exciting new way to bet that really puts the power to get value in your hands. The odds you bet are the odds you get. You will continue to hear more about fixed odds betting opportunities across the In The Money Media Network. And last but not least, our friends at Adelphi. Adelphi is a racing club of like-minded people who enjoy horse racing and the camaraderie of being a part of something bigger than themselves. It is a true community. Adelphi's founding partners have all owned horses and other partnerships and syndicates as well as on their own, and the overarching goal with Adelphi is to blend the benefits of solo ownership without the administrative hassle with the thrill of the partnership experience. Adelphi partners truly enjoy a unique interactive ownership experience with direct one-to-one access for all members of the team. Adelphi offers a fiscally sustainable approach to horse ownership through its patient mid-market acquisition strategy, making yearling purchases in the $75,000 to $150,000 range, which offers partners a chance to compete at the highest levels of the game while doing so in a responsible manner and allowing for long-term participation in the sport. Adelphi has very limited shares remaining in a couple of exciting two-year-old prospects including a new york bred colt by lao band named gentman 10 who is already shipped to ray handles barn at belmont park the colt has done nothing wrong since arriving in new york and is on target to make a two-year-old debut up at saratoga and adelphi also has limited shares remaining in a taproot colt named magistrate who's currently in training down at kinsman farm in ocala florida will be shipping to christoph clement's barn later on this colt is bred and built to run all day long is in an exciting classic distance prospect for the summer and the fall join the club many ways to get in touch first things first website adelphiracing.com email matt at adelphiracing.com and on social media instagram at adelphi underscore racing and twitter at adelphi club now onto this week's show episode 127 What's happening? Welcome to the Matt Bernier Show, part of the In The Money Media Network. My name is Matt Bernier. You can follow me on Twitter, at Bernier underscore Matt. Today is Monday, August the 15th, 2022. It's episode 127 of the pod. However you listen to this thing, 
Thank you for doing so. Many ways to find the show, Apple Podcasts, Spotify, SoundCloud, and themoneypodcast.com. You can also watch and listen along over on YouTube. Search bar Matt Bernie or show you will get this episode along with the 126 prior. And as always, please rate, review, subscribe. If you're over on YouTube, make sure the bell icon is lit up. That way you get notified anytime new content is uploaded to the In The Money Media channel. We're back with Horse Player Happy Hour on Thursday this afternoon, this afternoon, this week. Me, PTF, going to be going over TBD what the actual race schedule is going to be. But again, those of you that are new to the concept... $20 buy-in, the VIG goes to charity, goes to Thoroughbred Aftercare, means a great deal to us. You're playing for effectively two $10,000 Breeders' Cup betting challenge seats. So there's all the reason to get involved. You can have up to three entries any given week. Uh, you finish inside the top 10, you get points toward the year-long tour. If you finish inside the top two, you automatically qualify for the play- for the playoffs, and we slowly whittle that down to get closer and closer to the Breeders' Cup. And whoever wins the final table, the final 10, you get a $10,000 BCBC seat along with the regular season tour point standings. Whoever has the most at the end of the regular season, you also get a $10,000 BCBC seat. So all the reasons to get involved. With Horse Players Happy Hour. Again, you can sign up over on horseplayers.com and then join myself and PTF on Thursday afternoon from 4 to 5 Eastern as we chop things up, both the ongoing races and a look ahead to the weekend. And that's exactly what today's show is all about. I mentioned in the pre roll that I'm headed to Toronto on Saturday to get ready for the Queen's Plate, my first Queen's Plate. Can't wait to get up there. Working with Woodbine, TSN in Canada, as well as CTV in Canada, going over the richest race for any kind of horses in Canada, but specifically Canadian breads. Mile and a quarter on the tapita at Woodbine on Sunday afternoon. Post right around quarter of six on Sunday, somewhere thereabouts. Uh, What we're going to do for this show, based on the probables available over on Woodbine's website, going to go over the 11 probables for Saturday's Queen's Plate. Dive into each one of them. We've got past performances. We've got stretch runs and different parts of replays for their most recent races. And it's just sort of the 30,000-foot view. Done it before with some of these other races, whether it's the Jim Dandy or any of the other races we've previewed so far. But this one in particular, I think, is an important race just simply because you're going to have two horses that are going to take the lion's share of the money. And if you really want, I think you can poke holes in both of them. doesn't mean that they're not going to win. They're deserving of being short prices. But there are other horses in the race that I think you can make legitimate cases for at good prices. So we'll go through, give you the 30,000-foot view. Again, the actual post-draw is happening on Wednesday. We'll have full fields and past performances sometime Wednesday night for Sunday's card, I would assume. So Wednesday night, maybe even Thursday. But uh, looking forward to that. So that's what this week's show is going to be about. If you have thoughts about any of the runners coming up in Sunday's Queen's Plate, please, beneath the video player on YouTube. Here are the 11 that will be going a mile and a quarter, or at least are scheduled as probables as of Monday afternoon for Sunday's Queen's Plate. Uh, There's no real rhyme or reason as to what order these horses are going to go in, but they're going to be grouped based on their most recent runs. So you're going to have a number of them exiting the plate trial. You'll have a couple of them coming out of the Marine. We'll have the Woodbine Oaks, and we'll have a couple of allowance races. Let's start with Huntmaster. All things considered, I thought this was a solid enough effort. Took on older horses, going around the ground. Second start off of a lengthy layoff in the most recent run. You can take a look here at the speed figures. On the buyer scale, ooh, was I dropped something. Uh, certainly on the lighter side, only looking at a 78 at this point. Um, but there's reason to believe third off the bench, maybe you're going to get a career best effort. We'll take a look back at the most recent run. This is on July 15th. Uh, pick it up just at the quarter pole. And the beautiful thing as well, for those of you that are unfamiliar with Woodbine or their replays and whatnot, 
Now, if you go over to Woodbine's YouTube channel, and actually it's Woodbine Replays, they put up every single replay, both from Woodbine with the Thoroughbreds as well as the Standard Bread track. So you don't need to have any kind of a subscription to replays and you know this, that, or the other. You can find every single one of them in HD over on the YouTube channel, Woodbine Replays. So again, picking this one up, just about the quarter pole. Huntmaster is in the red silks right here in third, about two, three paths off the rail outside of the number two horse. Uh, it's going to come with a long sustained bid. And for a moment, I actually think the horse is going to go and get the job done. I think it was a good effort. The problem is if you're looking for a closer in Sunday's race, based on the probables, there are certainly ones that you would look at ahead of this one. Um, conversely, you're probably looking at a considerably better price on a horse like this, who looks like is really appreciating the distance and is going to get an extra, what, three sixteenths of a mile to work with on Sunday afternoon. So I, I think Huntmaster has some work to do. That's kind of stating the obvious. But again, we're, we're not talking about a horse that's going to be, you know, four or five to one. You're probably talking about a horse that's in that 15 to one range, somewhere abouts. Um, and, you know, I don't know that I necessarily look at this one as an on-top candidate, but if you're playing your exactest tries, supers, whatever it may be, uh, if you're going really deep in any of the pick sequences and you can afford super backups, you know, to try to blow things up, maybe Huntmaster is one to throw in there. Let's move on to Shamatur, who goes out for, you know, high-profile outfits, Citatard, Stronic Stables. Uh, I thought the return effort at Woodbine on July 1st was quite good. Now, that was on turf compared to Synth. This horse is 1 for 8 overall. The only victory did come on Synthetic, going a route of ground in the second lifetime start. I'm drawing a line through the two dirt races down at Laurel. Th those don't mean anything to me. You look at the company that this one kept, and the races this one was thrown into as a 2-year-old, nothing to sneeze at you know running in the gray running in a couple of restricted stakes races uh, trying turf and synth you know they, they threw a lot at this one in a short amount of time didn't run spectacular really in any of them and was a long shot in every single race effectively that this horse is running there's never been single digits in any one of the eight lifetime starts but i i think this most recent start was actually quite good all things considered uh, we're going to take a look at the replay. This is, again, just outside the quarter pole because this is on the turf, and the turf is on the outside at Woodbine as opposed to most, you think of U.S. tracks anyway, where the dirt is on the outside of the turf. It's the opposite here where the turf is on the outside of the synthetic. I'm going to pick it up about the quarter pole here. You see the Stronic Silks on the outside. I think this is a pretty solid effort. Horse gets a little bit green. going to see him looking out at the grandstand here momentarily and doesn't go on and pass this horse in front of him. But keep in mind, Taking on older horses here, first start off of a bit of a layoff, first start going out for new connections, and the pace was on the moderate side, and this horse was carrying quite a bit of ground throughout. So I think there's a fair bit to like from this. Again, similar to Huntmaster, I don't know if I'm bullish enough or bold enough to say that I could see this one on top, but you know, would it stun me at all, especially for an outfit like this, that second off the bench maybe with some more pace to run at, because you can see Timeform US, I had to go in and hand write the notes in. All those splits were on the slow side, so chasing a slow pace while widest, first off the bench against older horses, you know, far from an offensive effort. The 102 Timeform US rating, I think, is interesting as well, because that would suggest that the buyer could be roughly 10 points higher than what it is. I don't know. I mean, I think there's a fair bit to like with this one, and Bear with me as I actually pull up my past performances because my camera is in the way of the, the right-hand side. I, You know, it wouldn't stun me 
if this one took a, a fair step forward here. You see Basketball Jones came back. He earned a 72 in his next start, improved four points. The sixth-place finisher earned a 63 in this race, came back and earned a 78 in the next start. So a pretty substantial improvement there, which I kind of would lean into my theory or my thought that perhaps the buyer's a little bit on the light side. So if you think that that could be possibly 10 points higher, let's say it's a low 80, not even go 10 points to 83, let's just say 80. That was the first start off the bench. Goes out for a new outfit. The only victory this one's ever had to date is on synthetic, so theoretically could be going to a preferred surface. I don't think the distance is going to be any kind of an issue. And an 80 buyer, you're no, you're not, you know, up there with Rondor and you're not up there with Moira, but you're probably not far off the rest of the lot, and you're going to be a pretty substantial price. So I think Shamatour is another one if you're looking to play maybe underneath types, and who knows. Maybe if you're really feeling frisky, this is one you could, in theory, try to slot into one of those top slots uh, at a big, big number. I think the horse is talented, uh, especially with that forward move there first going out for a Targe Barn. Wouldn't be surprised if we saw another forward move. Going to need to improve to be a threat in this race on Sunday, but maybe that buyer's a little bit light. Maybe the figs are slightly better than what the paper would suggest based on the form that we saw from that race on July 1st and, again, just sort of that 20-point difference. Wide chasing a slow pace. Chamatour, I don't think, is entirely unreasonable at a nice price as sort of a second, third, fourth kind of finisher in a race like this at a mile and a quarter. large portion of Sunday's field exits the plate trial. Uh, I think six of them. Their last start was the plate trial. Interesting race for a number of reasons. Let's go back to the tape first, and then we'll take one by one each of the runners. This is a day at Woodbine, July the 24th, earlier on the card anyway, or preceding the Woodbine Oaks, which we'll talk about at the end with Moira. A day that it seemed like you were better suited coming from off the pace as opposed to being up forward. So maybe you want to give the benefit of the doubt to horses like Dance in Denial or Cause in Mayhem or even Duke of Love or the Minxster. We're going to take it from just outside the quarter pole, right around the three-eighths pole more or less. And you see the front horses are all in. The Minxter's rolling up on the outside. And the Minxter came into this race on the heels of a pretty impressive effort against many common foes. Duke of Love is in behind runners and is going to stop badly right now in behind horses. This is one where you're basically drawing a line through this race simply because he had nowhere to go right here. Stop cold. Meanwhile, you've got Rondour on the outside. Excuse me, not Rondour. Uh, Sir for sure coming from Mark Cassie. And he's going to finish very well. Nice long stride. The whole nine looks very good. Hall of Dreams is going to finish second to round out the exacta. And then you see Duke of Love trying to get back on track at the end of the run. I, I, I mentioned the running style specifically compared to the racetrack or in relation to the track, the way it was playing that day. If you like horses like Cause and Mayhem, goes out for Pletcher, or you like a horse like Dance in Denial, or you like a horse like the Minxster. I don't know that the plate trial is, is necessarily the running line that you want to use to base your opinion off of them. I think you want to be kind to them. But at the same time, if they all have relatively similar running styles at a mile and a quarter, is that going to be to their disadvantage? Are they going to kind of take the starch out of one another? The Minxster, uh, look, that Queenston was really good going seven-eighths of a mile. Seven-eighths compared to a mile and a quarter is night and day. And... I know the horse was a 9-5 to favorite in that most recent race that we just took a look at, the plate trial, but I would be a little bit cautious about really going all in on this one if he's a short price. Now, he may not be. He may float up off the heels of this 
race that doesn't look particularly good, but he may have reasons going against him. The problem is he may have reasons going against him again on Sunday afternoon. As far as cause and mayhem is concerned, very lightly raced, goes out for high-profile connections. Uh, you know, the only victory has come in gate-to-wire fashion, although that debut down at Gulfstream going 7.5 on the weeds, you know, made up some ground at the very end. My, my fear is, A, I don't know that this one is necessarily fast enough at this point to win. B, if you go, you're going to have company up front. And how did that translate for an extra eighth of a mile compared to that Queen's Plate, or excuse me, the Plate Trial? And I just don't love that this one stopped, I don't want to say as badly as he did, but I mean, he was all in for a long time. It was not the, the most visually impressive performance you've ever seen. So if you like him, you're you're more or less banking on the fact that, okay, he was running on a track against the grain with the way it was playing that day. And maybe he can shake loose, but I, I don't know. I don't see that as necessarily a likely outcome when you've got other horses in here like Dance and Denial, who I can't imagine they're going to all of a sudden take back. I know this one has done well from slightly off of it, but the biggest races this one has run in, you've seen good early foot, and you've seen that I've highlighted in three of the four route races, this one has lost ground at the end. And those were in races at a mile and a 16th and a mile and an eighth. I just don't know that I love this one going out to a mile and a quarter, but plays a really key role in Sunday's race purely from a pace standpoint, because this one could muddy the waters for some of the other horses we've already talked about that like to be forwardly placed. The horses coming out of the plate trial that I think you want to at least look at. Serve for sure, obviously. Winner of that race, in theory, had the flow with him, though. Not necessarily from a pace standpoint, but more so from the way the track was playing. If it was favoring horses rallying from off of it, according to Timeform US, he really had things work his, his way. Just my opinion, I thought he was a bit up and down at the end. And maybe he took advantage of circumstances. He also was coming into this race. Granted, there was a, a pretty healthy layoff between his maiden score down at Gulfstream on the synth and his return to Woodbine. But he's coming off of effectively paired up buyers, 74-73, and he moved up to an 83. I think he's going to need to move up again to a low 90 if he's going to win a race like this. Totally possible. Uh, for what it's worth, Timeform US has him on a very nice progression. I'm always looking for progression and, and the expectation of the thought that you could run a career best effort in your next start, Timeform US has him going from an 85 to a 94 to a 103. All those numbers seem to jive. If that's the case and he takes another 10 point step forward, he's right there. He is certainly a player and at a mile and a quarter, I have no issues with him as far as the distance goes. If it turns into a war of attrition, Sir for sure is going to be part of this. Another horse that I think you at least want to, well, you can look at, I'm not a huge fan of Hall of Dreams. And I'm saying all these things. I still need to wait and see what HTR's product looks like. I still want to see and look what, what Equinedge looks like. There are many other products that need to come out before I make a, a concrete, solid decision for Sunday's race. But Hall of Dreams, to me, is a horse that's just not really gotten much better from start one to start seven, going to be eight on, sun, on Sunday. Um, you see, from a buyer standpoint, still has not got back to the 80. That was the maiden. That wasn't even a maiden breaker. That was earlier this year at Gulfstream. Finished second that day. You know, that plate trial was a 79 and a runner-up finish. If you want to say moved a little early, I don't know. With the way the track was playing, I think if the horse was good enough, should have got the job done and wasn't good enough to hold off, sir, for sure. Hall of Dreams is one that I'm kind of eh, iffy on. Duke of Love, I'm, I'm trying to talk myself into for a few reasons. The plate trial, we saw the trip, draw a line through it. He got stopped cold at the top of the lane. I like the fact that he showed a little bit of willpower to go on at the end. The Marine two starts back. 
Timeform US had that as an absolute wildly speed-friendly racetrack. So for him to try to rally from off of it and run down a horse like Rondor, who we'll get to more momentarily, I think was probably asking a lot. My concern is, you see those three races that I have those black marks next to if you're watching along over on YouTube. The N1X, the Queenston, the Marine. Buyers of 86, 86, 85. Timeform US ratings of 101, 104, 104. Is he getting any better? You also watch him run. He's a little bit goofy. He's a lot like his dad, Cupid. Cupid didn't have, have his head screwed on right. He was a wild tappet. I love Cupid. I thought he was a really talented horse, but his part of his problem was he just couldn't get out of his own way sometimes. Duke of Love gives off some of those vibes. A little goofy. Looking around, not changing leads, doing whatever. I don't think the mile and a quarter is a problem for him. He's a little dirtied up on paper. Where, okay, Rondur ran a hole in the wind, but that was with the track playing to his favor. Duke of Love was trying to rally from off it, probably a little bit better than it looks. The Queenston, I don't really have an excuse for. I just don't think he, he was as good as the others. But he was he was the 7-5 to five favorite that day. Clearly people liked him. He won that N1X race, his return to the races back in early May. And then you look at the plate trial. He had no chance with the way that everything played out. I think if you're looking for a price, and I say a price, he's not going to be huge because I think there is some name recognition. And you see, he's taking money in every one of his starts. I'm, I'm, I don't know if I'm going to pick him. But Duke of Love, I can at least draw up a scenario that he's a little dirtied up on paper and maybe he is capable of that low 90 buyer that it, I think puts him in the conversation on the win end. Now, who knows? If Rondur or Moira or both of them take giant steps forward everyone's probably running for second or third but i think duke of love is one that maybe you could you could conjure up a scenario in which you get a career best effort from him all the chips fall where they need to and maybe he even upsets this thing at a playable price for top light connections with josie carroll and my racehorse so there you have it these are the horses coming out of the plate trial cause and mayhem figures to be forward I don't know if I love his prospects as far as the distance is concerned, along with the fact that there is other speed in here. Duke of Love, I've already laid it out. I think he is an interesting sort of candidate to possibly, with a better trip, and maybe he can put it all together. I know that's a lot to ask on the biggest stage in front of the most people he'll ever run in front of to mentally put it together, but there's at least reasons to believe there could be a forward move in there. Hall of Dreams, I don't think he's gotten much better from day one, so he's not really my cup of tea. Dance in Denial, again, from a pace standpoint, I don't know that it works. And you see that this one's lost ground at three of the four route races. Sir, for sure, if it turns into his stamina test, I could see him getting it done. I thought he was a bit up and down at the end. Timeform US, though, they do have him on that nice sort of progression, incrementally moving forward. If he takes another 10-point step forward here, he's certainly in with a big chance. And last but not least, the Minkster. The Minkster is the kind of horse, though, that he's got the ability to be forward, not being dependent on the lead. And if you think he was running against the grain with the way that track was playing, perhaps this is the time to come back and get him at a better price than he should be. I will throw out there, though, he was the 9-5 to five favorite in the plate trial. His three races prior, he had never been shorter than 5.5 to 1. So do with that what you will. I think the plate trial is a very interesting race to analyze simply because of the way the track was playing at Woodbine that day. We'll find out. There's six of them. That is more than half of your listed probables. So the vast majority of the field... Coming out of that one race, let me know what you think about that race beneath the video player on YouTube or on Twitter at Bernie or underscore Matt.
Marine, which is arguably the key race. I know the plate trial has six entrants in it. The Marine is the one that, if specifically if you're trying to beat Moira, you need to make a call on what you believe. Ironstone and Rondur both come out of it. Rondur wins by more than five lengths. Really good, impressive race. By the way, Duke of Love is in this one as well. We're going to pick it up from just inside the 3 8 pole. You'll note that Ironstone is on the lead and has been on the lead from jump. Actually, was a bit uncontrollable, a bit headstrong early on. Opened up a four-length lead early on. Just outside flanking him is Rondur. And from here on, it's showtime. The dangerous thing about this race is Rondur really hasn't had the... Rondur has not had the opportunity to route all that frequently. And you see Duke of Love on his left lead being a goofball, as I had mentioned before. But this run from Rondur is... This is damn good. Straight and true. Showed a new dimension. He'd a ho- he was a horse that had typically rallied from off the pace. This time around, he shows improved early foot. Gets into a nice position. It's technically an upline. You see those, those time form US pace figs. Of 104, 107, 113, 113, 113. He wasn't slowing down at the end. Maybe he was leveling off, but he had continued to improve till that point and just stayed there. If he does that again on Sunday, I don't think the extra distance is going to be the end of the world. But keep in mind, that was his first route, and it was only a mile and a sixteenth. He is stepping up to a pretty pretty substantial difference from 8.5 to 10. But both Timeform US and the Buyer Associates have him on that nice upward trajectory. 86, 89, 95 on the Buyers, 104, 107, 113 on the Timeform US scale. Seems like he's working well, just purely based on clockings. I haven't seen any tape, but 59-2 and two in your back pocket just last week, I mean, or a couple weeks ago. There's ever reason to think that he's coming into this feeling good. I would assume he'll have one more work, probably today, somewhere thereabouts. Uh, I have little to knock about this horse. The only question is how much was he aided by the racetrack? Because on July 2nd, Timeform US had that racetrack being intensely speed-friendly. And no, he wasn't on the pace, but he sat just off of it. He was able to get the first run on a horse like Duke of Love. It certainly helped his cause, didn't hurt him at all. The question is, how much do you think it helped him? I'm inclined to think what I saw was just an improving racehorse that is professional and is showing a new dimension to his game. Maybe the final margin of victory was a bit exaggerated. Maybe it's not five and a half. Maybe it should only be three and a half or four. Still, I thought he was much the best in there. And while the racetrack doesn't concern me too much about Rondor, I'd be lying if I said I was super thrilled about Ironstone's prospects. The biggest thing that he could be is a detriment or a bit of a fly in the ointment to the other speeds. Because he's going to be forwardly placed. But you take a look at his two route races. He's lost ground at the end of both of them. They were both at a mile and a 16th. I don't think that bodes well for a mile and a quarter. I think he's probably best suited slightly shorter distances. And if he couldn't get the distance with that racetrack that was, in theory, all to his advantage, how's he going to get a mile and a quarter against better horses with company up front? I'm, I'm a little dubious on Ironstone's chances. But Rondur, if you're not in the Moira bandwagon... 
Rondour is as good a chance as anyone. He's going to be the second choice in here, probably very close to Moira. When all is said and done, I would imagine as far as favoritism is concerned, uh, I have nothing to knock about this horse. Somehow he's never been favored in any of his five starts. I think he's just getting better and better. I love the trajectory. I don't think the distance is going to be a problem for him. You know, he is on the short list of, of proper win candidates, in my opinion, for this race. Would not surprise me at all if he were to be the winner of the Queen's Plate this year. Moira is going to be the favorite in the Queen's Plate. She is going to look to continue that tradition of three-year-old fillies winning Canada's most prestigious race. Uh, and if the Woodbine Oaks is a sort of precursor of things to come, uh, it could be showtime. Now, I think Rondour is a very, very good racehorse. And if we're just calling it by the book, Moira has one fig that really puts her in that elite category. The other three that she has had throughout her career pale in comparison. And she's not even going to go in with the fastest race. But purely on optics, she's going in with the most impressive victory in the Woodbine Oaks. Now, we're going to take this at the half-mile pole because for her to put in this kind of a move, I, it's not fair to compare it to Beholder. But if you remember Beholder's Pacific Classic a number of years ago, where she starts her run basically at the half-mile pole and just drives around everyone. Granted, she was much closer to the pace, uh, but we'll get into that in a little bit more momentarily. For her to go on the way she did and then finish as well as she did, it was breathtaking. And Moira does effectively the same thing. Take a look at the white silks here, number three saddle towel in this race. That's Moira. She's going to split horses and then tip out to the outside, and she just drives by these girls as if they're standing still. Now, I think the most impressive thing about her is the fact that it feels like this distance, she's really just getting warmed up. There are some causes for pause, though, which we'll get to when we take a look at her past performances, but just take this performance in right now. Keep in mind, this is her first route of the year off of a bit of a layoff. She came back at 7.8, get her back out to this distance, and she goes off and struts her stuff and wins by the length of the stretch. She deserves to be one of the horses to beat in here from a gambling standpoint, but if you're so inclined, you can look at a few different things. She had a wicked pace to run at this day. She's going to be going a mile and a quarter in the, queen, in the uh, Queen's Plate. She's going to be taking on good quality three-year-old males. And she may have had the racetrack in her favor, just purely based on Timeform US, suggesting that it was a closer-friendly racetrack that day at Woodbine. The piece that I think may fly a little under the radar, yes, she had a big pace to run at, but if you just look at her pace figs, they actually translate very favorably to the horses coming out of the plate trial and even the horses coming out of the marine. She herself was running 130, 122, 121, 116, 110 for a final number. Any of those would put her pretty damn close to the front. So for her to be able to finish the way that she did Yes, she had pace to run at, but she herself was going fast early. That was at a mile and an eighth. She is a route horse through and through. She won that fury just because she's good. She becomes very interesting. The other thing that bodes well for her is I pull up my past performances because I can't see with the camera in front of me. The form of that Woodbine Oaks has actually come back quite strong. Where you've had a few horses who have gone on to do good things. Naturally, I'm not going to be able to pull it up on the fly. Let me do one of these. 
The runner-up was the next out winner, moving from a 73 to a 78. The fourth-place finisher went from a 65 in this race to a 73 next out. And the fifth-place finisher went from a 65 to a 75. So they've all improved at least five points, but a few of them double digits. Would seemingly bode well for Moira in the big picture. From a pace standpoint, I think she's going to get every bit as much to run at. Maybe it won't be quite as fast, but I think she will have a contested pace in front of her with which to take advantage. The mile and a quarter I don't have any issue with. And assuming she continues on this sort of upward trajectory, uh, she's going to be a handful. The knock is she's going to be the favorite. And everyone loves it when there is a, a female taking on the boys in one of these races. And inherently, they, get, they probably get a little over bet, even more so. Even when they have credentials and they stack up and they should get bet, they inherently, I think, get a little over bet. You know, what's a fair price on her? I don't know. We'll wait and see what the actual field looks like when the PPs come out and the posts are drawn. But I, I, I can't say that I, I think she's head and shoulders better than Rondur. I just don't. I don't know that she is. Uh, that doesn't mean she can't win. And I, I think she's fascinating. I think it'd be a fantastic effort, be a fantastic result for her to win and continue on. Again, we've had so many really classy fillies win this race over the past 10, 15 years. Uh, she would just add her name to it. But from a gambling standpoint, maybe this is a chance to try to take a shot against her. Let me know what your thoughts are about the 11 horses that have been touched on here. Um, and just your overall prospects, what you think about Woodbine in general. It's one of my favorite tracks to visit. I'm so looking forward to getting up there. I'm also scheduled to get up there for the Woodbine Mile in September, but this will be my first Queen's Plate. Uh, and I just, I, I, anytime you get to take in the best three-year-old race of the year in any country, um, it, it's a fantastic, fantastic opportunity. And I'm, I'm so looking forward to getting up there. I'm grateful for the opportunity be able to go up and cover this race and take in all the other races there are a number of graded stakes races leading into the queen's plate as well so should be a good day give me your thoughts on the 11 runners the probables anyway for sunday's queen's plate a mile and a quarter up at woodbine beneath the video player on youtube or on twitter at bernie underscore matt there you have it that's going to do it for this week's show again thoughts questions comments about this weekend's queen's plate beneath the video player on youtube or on twitter at bernie or underscore matt and as always please rate review subscribe you can listen to the podcast apple podcast spotify soundcloud and the moneypodcast.com you can also watch and listen along over on youtube search bar matt bernie your show you'll get this episode along with the 126 prior again horse player happy hour coming back on thursday join myself and ptf at four o'clock eastern on all the social channels with the Breeders' Cup and In the Money Media, and also play along in the contest, horseplayers.com. Take your shot at earning points toward a BCBC seat. Uh, again, I will be up north of the border this weekend, looking forward to the Queen's Plate. Um, and then I'll be back, TBD if I'm back Monday. If I'm not back Monday, it'll be a week off getting ready for the following week because I'm going away right after this. But uh, TBD, if all of a sudden the show doesn't come back next Monday, fear not. Just off for one week, but TBD on that front. Uh, thank you all for listening, as always. Thank you for the continued support. It means a great deal. Thumbs up, thumbs down. It doesn't matter. Just give us some sort of an interaction. It means so, so much to us, and it helps us get content out to the places that we need to. Uh, without further ado, it's going to wrap up this week's show. Best of luck however you play, whatever you play, and wherever you play. This has been episode 127 of the Mapper Show.